forever. Dog. Is James Malcolm X or am I Malcolm X? I feel like you. There's have no more... way I'm Malcolm X. <laughs> I'm just gonna say. Right. This. I feel like I feel like if it was the the lineage of way things would go, it would be like Bray would have to be Malcolm. I mean, okay. no, Bray would have to be Martin. James would have to be Medgar. I would give uh, Mama Do Malcolm, and then okay. I would be Stokely. You would be Stokely. I'd be Stokely. You'd be Stokely. I think I'd be Stokely. I think I don't have anything to disagree with. I mean, I think. <laughs> Malcolm was not as like he was aggressive, but he wasn't what people right. thought. You know what I mean? I right. feel like whereas like Stokely, we, you know, yeah, I'm Muslim. You could have light work just said that. <laughs> 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 like I could 100. I believe it because I yeah, I'm Muslim. <laughs> oh man, wow, well, great. And if and if listeners, this this is not even a diss if you don't know, but if you don't know who some of these people are, if you don't know who Megan Evers is, if you don't know who Stokely Carmichael is, if you don't know who Fred Hampton is, if you don't know who Huey P. Newton is, you need to January. learn it. Take it, take it. Okay. You know, and not a lot of schools teach this. Like seriously, take a second. Figure it out. And, yeah. Don't man, be serious. Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Do you Why? feel good about that? <laughs> <laughs> like, do you feel good? Right. Damn. Why you wrote both the why you say the full title, <laughs> but you're saying don't be Judas, don't be Judas and the Black Messiah? It didn't it doesn't track. Cause it, well, because the Black Messiah died. Though. Why are you squeak? <laughs> Melissa, can you please start? I, the I show? don't want you to. I don't want <laughs> no, you to. No, 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 no. We're not talking to you no more. Okay? This is what I thought you were going to do. I just, and you I pr- just probably were going to do this if Gerard was didn't keep going. But I thought you were going to be like, okay, now which one of us is Judas and the Black? <laughs> that is what I was trying to do, but Gerard, Gerard steamrolled me. I had to <laughs> I had to figure out another way. He, he saw. He saw my. He saw my setup. Honestly, he, he saw it coming. Like, he saw it coming. <laughs> I've been playing a lot of chess and it feels like, you know, you got a couple mm-hmm. of, you, you, you have a plan out and then somebody makes a move you didn't expect and you're like, oh, shoot. Oh, damn. <laughs> I, yeah. can't, I, I can't do my plan anymore. <laughs> I saw it coming. I was ready. I was ready. Yeah, man. Drop yeah. betrayed me like Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, wow. Exactly. And again, no, you wrote no, them both in. No, that's, that's perfect. That's perfect. No, it's not. Wait, like, I believe in you. you I believe you. you. He betrayed you, you like <laughs> Judas did the Black yet. Messiah. Yeah. The Black yeah. Messiah. Yeah. Okay, see, it's all in. Okay. No. It's semantics. No, it's semantics. <laughs> no. If he would have said like Judas. your ear. I understand. No, I, I said, I'm not wait, talking. In, no. in this context, I'm the Black Messiah and Jerome Tree. Like Judas. No, that is not. <laughs> Please, I am talking to Melissa now. Okay? <laughs> Melissa, can we just please start the show? Because these hooligans. <laughs> Gerard is talking to Melissa. Judas and the Black Messiah. <laughs> So is she the Black Messiah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, I'll take that. Okay, I'm okay. With that. <laughs> right. I know, it's not up to me, but yeah. <laughs> All right, let's everyone start. at home, everyone at home. You know, Melissa's a black woman, so like, yeah, this, this makes sense. They, they, let's they, start with the saving us. Jonathan Raylock, James the Third, Drop Milligan. What more can I say? My name is Jonathan Braylock. I'm talking like this today.
<laughs> my name is Gerard Milligan. And I'm talking like this today. My name is James the Third. James, I feel like I feel like you I feel like you're undercutting me a little bit with that. <laughs> with that boy, I feel like you're just, you're just I'm trying to let the people my... know what's up. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Very okay. white and Mickey Mouse on the call. Okay. Well, holy <laughs> crap. Um, we are very excited because uh, we have a, a special guest in the studio today mm-hmm. with us. A return guest. Oh yeah. Back again. Black man. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Like riding the bike, baby. <laughs> like <riding> Mama <laughs> Do. Mama Do and Jack. What is really good? Thank you. You know, I just realized now, last movie that I did was Fruit Bell Station. So when it gets sad. Oh, shit. And, 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 and when it gets I'll intense. It, uh, assassinatory. Then uh, I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to pull off my sweats. So I'm ready Damn. to go. <laughs> That's real. <laughs> two Ryan Coogler films. Two yes. real life films. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. true. All ending, yeah, that's I didn't even, yeah. all ending with murder from the cops. Well, so y'all could y'all could have put me uh, on for soul or uh, oh, damn, he dies in that too. Damn, honestly, <laughs> never mind, honestly, never mind, never mind. We got to find a happy movie for you. One of these, one of these. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Fuck. Damn, damn. Uh, yeah, for those of you who don't know, by the way, we we are a, a film review podcast. We review films of leading black actors and talk about them in context of race and diversity in Hollywood. Okay, and today we are reviewing. Judas and the Black Messiah. There's so much here. Let's just dive in. We are reviewing this before it is officially released uh, in theater. So, and, and this is another HBO Max movie, right? This yeah, is, yeah, yeah, It's yeah. going to come out on HBO Max and, and premiere in theaters. So, but you know, what are movie theaters? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's see if it, I don't know if it has, yeah, it doesn't have a Rotten uh, Tomatoes yet. It is an awards contender. We are able to watch it because of screeners let's just get into it uh gerard do you want to go i had to pause it a few times because there are certain points like again like we knew what was going to happen we knew where it was going to go but there were certain things i didn't know about like some of the other people i'm gonna say i liked this aspect of it but i don't like what happens which is when they show some of the other members of the black panther party like how they ended up like um when you see sean astin's character like the cops go in and just start harassing old guys in like a deli. Sean Astin goes in, the cop pulls out the gun, he pulls out his, you know what I mean? And then we see that the cops do kill him eventually. We see what happens to, what's my man's name from um, uh, New Edition? Algie Smith. When you see him, his story was so traumatic to me because it's like this dude who wanted answers and the cops just chase him down. And and to me, the hardest part is I think there's always these, these situations where, again, I've, I've had to, Cops pull guns on me a couple of times. And it's like, it's so scary because there is no protection at that point. Yeah. Like there's like, yeah. it doesn't matter if your family's with you. It doesn't matter who's with you. There is a feeling of just fear because at the end of the day, anything can happen and no one can save you because the people who are supposed to save you are the are people there. who got the guns on you. Yeah, that's that's something that I thought about, too, when I was watching. I was just like, I've had the guns put on me mad times, especially in Ohio. Shout out, OH. Hey. Uh, but like, <laughs> 30, what's up? Uh, but like, uh, you know, like I've had guns put on me mad times. And, you know, as somebody who doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, has never been around. I've been around illegal activity, but I've never been part of it. And it's like, I know that I'm not doing anything wrong. 
everything should be good, right? You should be able to walk away from that situation, but they they will either find a reason or they're going to like, you know, plant a seed and come back for that shit later. And watching that's what happened to that dude who pulled up to uh, my man in the deli, I was just like, yeah, and there's no regulatory system to stop that from happening. And it's like, we watch that loop happen over and over and over again. Every single time we wait for a grand jury to indict a police officer and they're like, nah, he was doing his job. And that's going back to Fred Hampton, way back before Fred Hampton. It's just like, it's such a annoying loop to be stuck in and i think that's what i really took from that part it's like yeah you could be doing literally nothing and they will find a reason if they can't find a reason they will find a reason later like ice cream cops cops tried to paint brianna taylor as a bad person and then the cop when he was sentenced to something it was for the shots he missed that endangered the neighbors Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like, it mm-hmm. endangered the neighbors. I guess my thing is watching this movie is very frustrating because I don't know what to tell my little cousins. I don't know what to tell if I have kids. Like, I am Black. I'm 100% mm-hmm. American Negro. My partner is Black. Our kid will look Black. Mm-hmm. And if I have a son, what do I tell him? You know what I mean? Like, is the, mm-hmm. is the knowledge of, hey, you are Black in America, just be on the lookout just carry yourself in this kind of way in doing that is that taking away a piece of innocence from this kid but yeah. then i can't send him out into the world knowing that like again i've been stopped at first on the way to an astronomy club set you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and you can't do any like you physically can't do anything i can't talk i can't move fast i can't even question what's happening depending on who's pulling you over and like what do you tell an educated black person who knows their rights, who knows what's right and wrong? Is that knowledge now making them more dangerous in their life and more of a threat with that when they deal with these people? It's like, I just, this movie just perpetuates something that like, it's just hard, man. It's hard. And it's hard that we had to have those marches. It is hard to look at like now Nike, everybody wants to talk about supporting black lives where I'm like, you profit off of this shit for real. Like I get that, but now it feels very comfortable for you to sit back and be like we got y'all we're gonna name this street black lives matter boulevard but we ain't gonna change shit else yet basically the brand of america is everything's great and then these little black kids have to grow up in this world in the movie and he's telling them it's like oh it's this capitalism it's these cops it's this and that and when you telling the truth to people and the lies just so is so well, you know, founded by all most of the country. That shit is dangerous and scary. And as a former teacher, you know, having like 12 year old kids getting pulled into the school by the cops and stuff like that. It's like it's so hard because you teaching black kids to survive and not how to thrive. Like you just literally wow, just saying, yeah. Ayo, like, uh, just be careful around the cops. Uh, yo, don't walk in, like, don't be this loud. Like, Hey, when you go on home, walk each other home. And if somebody needs a ride, like do that, like that is the, the scariest part. I, I have, I, and that's what precludes me from if I ever am going to have kids. I think about it a lot. Cause we gender that question, like asking women if they're going to have kids. But as a dude, I'm like, man, I'm terrified too, because I like black people are in this like very abusive relationship with the America, but this is the best fish in the sea, apparently. So it's like, well, there's no other According place to, to go. Us. According to us. <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, right. According to America. America. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, but then, but then you're telling that kid, it's like, yeah, I know you didn't do nothing wrong. It's almost like you got to apologize. My bad. Your parents are black. So now you have this burden that yeah. you did not ask for. You're in a situation you yeah. don't want or need to be in. Like, yeah, there's right. going to be colorism that affects you. There's going to yeah. be like, how big you are that affects you is going to be how articulate you are that affects you how you dress will affect you the mm-hmm. name i give you will affect you 
it is a thing that watch this, watching this movie is seeing this man, seeing Fred Hampton go to poor white people and sit there and say, hey, I bet you guys have the same crappy education they're giving us. I bet they harass you just like they do us. And getting those white people to team up, like that is the thing that has bothered me so much. Again, I've said it on this podcast before. If you go to where my parents live, it's a bunch of poor black folk. And across the street is a bunch of poor white folk. And I'm like, we have the same problem. You know what I mean? We have the same issue. And it's like, if these, if we just united, even if it was like just a class, just a class system. It's like, if we figured out how to fix our own shit and was like, hey, fuck these white dudes who dodged when it was time to go to war and get drafted, because we know, we know some of them did. Yeah. Um, we won't talk about <laughs> it yet, but they like, oh, we love America, but you dodged. When we deal with some of these people who literally have stolen money from some of these communities, even poor white communities, which is a thing that we deal with, it's just frustrating because the only thing that bothers people is just the skin shit. It's like, who, ah, like, what do you do? Yeah. Like, ah, anyway, let's talk about the movie. This is great. This is <laughs> all I mean, right. And that was all Gerard's <laughs> initial thoughts. Uh, 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 don't worry. He doesn't uh, know how he's going to talk about this. No, James, you want to <laughs> uh, Yeah, I mean, if I, if, if I am just dealing in initial thoughts of the movie, like, it's great. The acting's great. The writing's great. The directing's great. The music is fantastic. Everything about the movie is really... It's really good. Everybody should see it. Um, I, but to, to to the end of Gerard's thought of immediately going to kids, I immediately go for me whenever I watch stuff like this. I immediately go to, and we talked about it a little bit on One Night in Miami, but I immediately go to like how radical, quote unquote, radical lies do I need to be? <laughs> like, like, am I just sitting at home, <laughs> like letting shit go by? <laughs> do, you know, what? In what ways do I need to stand up? This is literally the same shit that's happening right now. I can't believe how much of the same it is. And I also can't believe how much, you know, even, you know, we talked about this a bit with, with Malcolm X on the, on the last pod too, but like, but yeah, like Black Panthers were demonized, you know, like it was like these people were considered too radical they had guns and that's bad and they wore all black and that's scary and like all of this stuff but it was like never talked about at least in my circles it was never talked about like the nuance the the, the what was really going on you know the the fact that so much of it was just about the betterment i also just watched um what's that movie uh trial of chicago seven and thinking about like the terminology of the new left and like understanding like oh this is the crew that i run with like i like we are the new the quote unquote new left started in the 60s man and like yeah yeah, and like and and how much you know people have hated us (laughs) for so long you know and really look at us as like a dangerous threat for having you know for having radical ideas i'm always like deeply saddened after a movie like this but i'm so happy that it exists it made me feel so good to watch such a beautifully rendered movie with so many great black people and so many great black actors. Even though we started this talking about how I do feel like (laughs) whenever I see stuff like this, I think more and more that I'm being pushed further down (laughs) the ladder in terms of acting and acting opportunities. That is still very real for me um, when I see stuff like this. But I, I mean, I, I, I really loved it. Yeah. 
for me though it's more like anger like i when i see movies like this i like am so angry and then also feel very radicalized like i i'm all, i'm like immediately like all right we got to get the black panther party running again uh we gotta <laughs> we gotta just, yeah. <laughs> we gotta just start forming these coalitions like let's get out there yeah. you know what i mean like let like take to the streets sometimes it scares me how like little sympathy i feel for like the cops who like who got shot in this movie like and like how much i was like kind of rooting for more of them to die and i realized there's so much to the fact that it's like the war wasn't started by like the black panthers they were under siege like literally under siege from the the united states government and and how how willing this country is to go to war with black people to make sure that white supremacy stays intact is just kind of even though we know and we talk about it constantly and some people feel like we talk about it too much whenever you witness something like this where it's just shown on screen like that kind of narrative you're just like awestruck like of how insidious it feels um and it is the acting in this movie was incredible i know you know i don't know if we'll talk about it but like for as much as we we have mentioned like british actors playing uh black americans i still i do think daniel Kaluuya was like really good in this like he's just a really strong actor i thought lakeith was great too i if i had one bone to pick about this movie it was i feel like the movie didn't attempt to say exactly other than the circumstances exactly like who this guy was that like became judas you know at the end it tells us that he commits suicide we kind of see him like going back and forth but there was a part of me that was like man did he did he trick himself into thinking he was doing the right thing? Or, you know, like I was a little bit more curious about that. And like, because the movie says it's Judas and the Black Messiah and the movie is more is more about him than Fred Hampton. You know, Fred mm -hmm. Hampton, I feel like is the second lead. There was something there that I, I wasn't like fully satisfied with. It kind of didn't matter, though, because there, the, the larger context of the movie was just like it's so powerful. Uh, but I'm interested to talk about that more. But yeah, that was I mean, this movie should. Even though, uh, what is award season? Uh, it should wrap up some. <laughs> yeah, the problem should. is, the problem is in this fake ass award season. I think all the black people are going to win. Yeah, you're um, right. Yeah, so they they get it on a zoom. Yeah. They get their Oscar on a, on a zoom yeah, call. I yeah, I think that's going to be that bullshit. <laughs> Let's talk about this movie though. Uh, this movie starts with with Lakeith. Uh, or oh, does it start with the interview first, or is it? It, start, it starts. Uh, yeah, it starts with the interview. It's the interview snippet, which is the yeah. only thing about the movie I don't think we needed. I, I understand why they did it once we got to the end, but I was like, yeah, we didn't need this interview to slice it up. But yeah, well, for me, yeah. yeah, I think it's connected to the the one tiny problem that I had with the movie, which which is specifically exactly who this character is. But and I feel like the interview was like trying to do some of that work maybe you guys it, it did something for you guys but it was just it was more just like okay we're gonna see the real person before we see lakeith so i'm already or no i guess it was lakeith playing playing yeah, him in the interview lakeith playing him the uh, whole time yeah. until the last until the last and i i thought yeah. it was you're right Jira, i thought it was going to be more of a thing but it, i don't know if it was it was it's only three like times it, i think yeah. it's i think it's two with lakeith and then one with the real person with the real I think guy is how it end. goes down right. Mm -hmm. but the real guy i mean this opening scene was interesting because it like it tells you like this movie is about n not fred hampton per se like it's really about right. william you know wild bill if you will and mm -hmm. honestly 
the best thing about this scene isn't for me, isn't his interaction with um, the other black people, but like, you know, Rachel kept bringing up one line he said, which I think is super important. When the white dude, Jesse Clemens, you know, uh, bat Matt Damon, uh, it's like, <laughs> why'd you use the badge? And he's like, um, there's nothing scarier than this. Any nigga can get, any nigga can get a gun, but the badge with this badge, it feels like you got a whole army behind you. And I'm like, that is, that is the fear to me. Like, that is the thing. It's like, I can't just address you because if anything happens to you, the country is coming after me. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I also right. loved in this scene where they were just like, they were just like, yeah, he didn't get any medical attention. They just let him, they just let him bleed on the floor of this, yeah. of this interrogation room. Like, oh my goodness. Why would, they, why would they care? Yeah, they just openly let him bleed and they were just openly racist to him, around him. And then when like all yep. the white people in the room, they were just so openly racist to each other. And like, that is like the thing that, a lot of black people know is what's going on, but like you, you can't point to it. And that's the thing is like Jadiga Hooper is not going to come out and you know, put himself on front street and be like, I am a racist. But behind closed doors, he's like, all right, y'all. So you know how we all racist here? Let's do some racism. And they were all like, yeah, and they did it. So it, it, was, it was nice. Yeah. I was just going to ask you, Gerard. Did you see the movie, J. Edgar? Because I never saw that movie. I did. So the thing about him that I don't like is they talk about like, you know, him, like his upbringing, like, you know, the struggles and stuff he overcame and, you know, him establishing the FBI and how important it is. And it's like this dude worked, you know, hard and he he did this thing and this thing became like a staple of America. And it it did so, so well for America. But again, they gloss over all the stuff that that, organization has it's like, done. I'm sure to- Trump did seven good things. <laughs> but if you make a movie and it's only the seven good things that Trump did, I'm mad yeah. at you. Well, I yeah. guess that was my question was, did they not ever show how evil that dude became? No. It's, I think I, I, and I want to watch it again. They do bring up Martin Luther King, but it's not like, let's tap the phones, find me women he's cheated with. They didn't, you know, they didn't talk about really? how he terrorized them, dude. Like, it, yeah. no, but that's like history books, right? Like, that's what a history book is. It's white people telling the story from their perspective and skating over all the genocide and the racisms and the, you know, the historical disenfranchisement and then the laws that are like, that have to right. be done to repeal other laws. They always skate over that. They talk about MLK, like, oh, this great man. And then, and he tragically died and they never... <laughs> they're never talking about like, hey, we were all alive and, and also we all hated him. And uh, <laughs> yeah, they skip over <laughs> and, all that. <laughs> and, you know, it was the government's definitely involved with this. And yeah. it's like, no, nah, no, nah, it's just some <laughs> random, dude, some random dude. Anyway, one man killed MLK. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. yeah. Like yeah. the one thing I did like about this movie is in that scene when we have uh, Martin Sheen, who I love that he played Jay Edgar. You took the white, good, the white dude so known for playing like the TV president that everyone loves and made him one of the worst people to ever exist in the history of America. Um, I yeah. said history of America because he's trash. Um, yeah. I just want to keep reiterating how trash of a person he is. So when he talks about all the people, he literally goes through a list of all the African-American leaders he has fucked over. Like he, like he goes through the photos, he goes through the pictures. He's like, oh man, I'm, look at it. Must've been real court and I mean, real cold in that courthouse. It's like, he goes through the thing. And I think the nuance about this movie- What a great scene. And that's what I'm saying. I loved yeah. that scene. Yeah. But I think that comes from sometimes we're like, oh, what is the difference when a black person directs a movie about like a black, you know, something historical? This movie does not shy away 
from who the villains are. And at one point, I thought they were going to humanize evil Matt Damon. And they quickly was like, no, 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 no. He's still <laughs> yeah. trash, too. And yeah. I was like, you thought he was good. Fuck him. <laughs> yeah. So that was cool. That, that was important. Um, for me in this movie but, uh, oh he went the other way he they were like i actually mm-hmm. love that they did that they were basically mm-hmm. like he had a he had an opportunity he knew it wasn't like he you know his world was cracked a little bit and instead he just decided to double down he doubled down yeah <laughs> he doubled but down that, and that's the game here right like right. i think that like what you know for a revolution to work, everyone has to have the same buy-in. They want to have to do it. And clearly Bill was like, he came into the game as like this very individualistic, I'm going to like steal cars and boost them and flip them type dude. And then over time, he battled with that. But then also showing like Jesse Plemons' character doing that too, being like, oh, I, I think I'm, what I'm doing is good. Because I think that there's this like toxic romantic relationship with like the uh, like the American dream in America that a lot of white Americans got even to this day. And I think that he even was like, I got my nice house. I'm just doing what my boss tells me to do. And then when his, you know, when his back against the wall, the way he was putting Bill's back against the wall, they both made the same decision is to kill Fred Hampton because their, their mm-hmm. livelihoods were on the line. And that was the only, like the only reason that Bill went back to him is that it's like, yo, we gonna clap you if you don't do what we tell you to do. And he's like, wow, that's an easy decision. I'm trying to be alive. Let me go clap Fred Hampton. And it, even though he struggled with it, it was still did like, he? nah, you did it. Wasn't barely, a struggle. Barely, barely. But think about, but think about the thing that scared him. Mm-hmm. It was, what do you do when your daughter brings home a Negro? Like that, yeah. that was the thing that, sh- the thing that shook this white dude. Yeah, bro. What, yeah, bro. What happens if your daughter brings home a black guy? Not a criminal. Yeah. Just a black dude. Oh, that scene <laughs> yeah. specifically with Jesse Plummins as the FBI agent with J. Edgar Hoover. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of like, you know, and, and what's basically been told is uh, there, was a, there was another scene where Lakeith was like, yo, they're going to kill me. They talked about how there was this informant and they like tortured him and then they drowned him in the river, you know. And he was like, see, man, you you thought Black Panthers were all about feeding kids, but they're they're terrorists. You know, they're the op- they're they're the KKK, just the opposite side, you know, and a lot of people still believe that to this day. And then he finds out from J. Edgar Hoover that the person who said that they killed the informant were, was the real informant. He was the FBI agent that <laughs> the whole time I was watching this scene, I was like, <laughs> My man, you are telling him how he can get rid of you. <laughs> and then yes, just yeah. come to find out that was just how they were getting rid of people. That was how the FBI was yeah. turning their a blind eye <laughs> to FBI informants getting rid of people. I couldn't believe it. But then, but then just so y'all know, like that case, there this is a name for it. Um, the New Haven, the New, New Haven, Haven Black thing. Panther trials yeah. became yeah. such a big deal because they <laughs> They basically took all those Black Panthers to the court and like imprisoned them from this thing that they had in the format. It's so twisted. It's so twisted. It's- I mean, you heard the plan. The plan was like, we gonna make this dude go from Black Panther Haven to Black Panther Haven to make it look like there's they are harboring a fugitive. And when they are harboring this fugitive, then we're gonna be like, oh, okay, that's why we can pull you in. It, it doesn't have to be ice cream. Ice cream gives you five yeah. years. Harboring fugitive gives you life, if not the death sentence. So like, it was this game. And like, that's the ugly part that like, I think that once we got to that scene where it's just like, would you bring, would your daughter 
and bring home a Negro. Like most people in this country are okay with all these things that are considered not cis, non-cis white heteropatriarchal. They'll be like, hey, yo, it's okay. You be gay, but do that over there. Like it's never in there. Yeah. Like he made mm-hmm. it personal. Mm-hmm. The fact that he couldn't even answer that question revealed so much being like, yo, you think you're a good person until your back is against the wall. And then you're like, I really don't think these Knicks is people. I, I, Three fifths, why not two? Like, that's why, like, yeah. that's why it yeah. was so. But isn't that the crazy part, though? Is like, he's supposed to be a good person, but also to an extent, J. Edgar Hoover is supposed to be here to take care of all Americans. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so the fact that this dude can't answer the question about, he's so taken back by like, what happens if his white daughter brings over a black dude? It's like, oh, that changes everything. It's like, no, no, no. Yeah. If you are FBI agent, charged with protecting Americans, what does it matter? What does it matter? And for as funny and as good as uh, uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner was, that one, that two minutes of this movie, for me, like, was a real, like, welcome to reality moment of, like, this is, (laughs) like, people were really afraid of this shit. And some people did horrible things because they were afraid of, of that. Like, because they yeah. were afraid of their child brings home, someone home. I, I was like, I, I couldn't believe, like, I was I was thinking of every time I laughed at a part of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and then, and and felt horrible <laughs> for even finding any of that funny because of, like, oh, it was it was too much yeah. for me. If, if you want to feel better, you should watch a Guess Who starring Bernie Mac, Ashley Kutcher. <laughs> <laughs> because let me tell you, when they switch the races, it does not work the same way, so... <laughs> Isn't that something, though? It's like we we have that little moment and that defines this guy and he decides, I want to be more extreme. We need to get in the house. But even taking it back, I want to talk about Fred for a little bit. And I do think, in all honesty, Daniel crushed it. Like, like, as as much as I'm talking about, like, of course I want an American, whatever, but like, Daniel was phenomenal. I mean, his stature alone took up so much space in the room, which is what I've read. Fred was like, was warm, but really about business. Would go into places that was very dangerous, just like going to other gangs, going to um, Confederates, still trying to get help, which are things he actually did with confidence. Mm-hmm. And again, like this movie, I don't know how many years are supposed to go through it, but ideally when you when we start this movie, I'm thinking, I don't know, I guess he's like 18 because... Um, Bill got arrested when he was 17 from what I read. So it's like, I'm assuming this kid is like 18, 19 when we start him off at the movie. And to have that kind of confidence to already be known to the government. And you're only known because you're just trying to help black people. <laughs> like, like he didn't, I don't even know if you guys noticed, but like his speeches did not become like, you know, fuck the pig, like literally fuck him like until the end until he yeah. got out of jail for the ice cream you know what i mean like yeah. that's when it became more aggressive and i think that's what happens to a lot of these black leaders where like people don't remember how they started they only remember like the more radicalized version of them because they've been pushed to that you know well, like this always- and i always think about this because people are like well violence is never the answer and yet we live in a in literally the most violent 
country empire that's ever existed right like yeah. mm-hmm. like just numbers wise <laughs> you know yeah, what i mean yeah. like we're we dropped two nuclear bombs you know we've invaded so many different places and of course we'd never say that we're invading we're always talking about democracy democracy and liberating <laughs> yeah. and all this yeah, nonsense um, that but, one? <laughs> <laughs> but like you know even to this day it's like it's so it's so funny it's just like yeah the u.s still has territories like that we have territories like we own we own countries and we don't let them have uh equal representation in our senate and our congress um there's so many people who still think of us as like the good guys of the or the poli- world police and all that stuff uh Ooh, but i just us? think <laughs> who, who, think, who outside of the us be thinking that just just well, the that's US? what i'm saying i just got <laughs> yeah, off the phone with the rest of the world and the rest of the world said nah that ain't true it's but it's funny because like people will always justify that you know they'll yeah. always justify murder and violence and war and and to this day we still justify dropping the nuclear bomb and all this stuff it's like okay so if you're willing to justify mass murder on like such a huge scale, how can you possibly not understand a community? And it's never even the whole community. It's always just like one or two people who at the end of the day from watching their friends and loved ones get murdered on the street with zero consequence, that just the economic stranglehold that's being placed on everyone that they know, everyone around them, just constant discrimination, constant Mm -hmm. racism. And then one of them, when a cop is like beating them up, it's like, I'm gonna kill this cop. And then you're like, we'll see, but violence is never the answer. It's like, F, it, it's such hypocrisy on, su- on yeah. such a huge level, yeah. but nobody ever thinks about it like that because we're being fed the, the narrative of cops yeah. are the good guys, you know, black people are the bad guys. And that's just what see, it Bray, is. Bray, my theory is that people do think about it like that, but they, they do what bad Matt Damon does in this movie. They hear it and they make a decision about how they feel about it. When I think about, for instance, the people who raided the Black Panthers here, um, mm-hmm. the people from the cops in the 80s that bombed that apartment building in Philadelphia, they mm-hmm. still are alive. Their families are still are alive. And I think they can easily justify it because, one, they don't have to deal with it. Two, if Black people, if minorities get equality, that now changes the landscape of white life. Like the more Black directors we get, some of these bad directors got to leave. The more black Fortune 500 company leaders or, or, or black women leaders that get the, to run these companies, some of these average white dudes will have to go. So it's like, you will drastically change these people's lives. And it's like, for what? We didn't do anything. Why should we have to give these things up? And it's like, when it comes down to like what is earned and what is not earned, now people have to sit there and evaluate. If we held up two resumes, two life resumes yeah. about what I had to do to get here and what you had to do to get here. If you look at this person and they're like, well, I worked really hard, but then you hold up mine. It's like, well, shit, does it just, just cause you did it. What is that? Now you're changing people. And now I don't think people want to yeah. live with that reality. I met this literally, I was talking to a friend who was joking about um, bringing a black dude home or something like that. And I was like, this shit ain't, you know what I'm saying? Like that shit ain't funny to me. Like, I, not, like, yeah, yeah. like I, I, I don't find it funny, but then she went into the defense mode of her parents. And I was like, the thing is, I hear you. I understand they birthed you, but your parents are trash. Like it's just, we get into this thing of like, we want, don't want to see people as bad. It's like, yo, your family can be bad. Like you could have a history of fucked upness in your family. It's just up to you to address it and deal with it. But I think people want to avoid it. 
Like, think about his daughter. I hope his daughter do bring home a black dude. I hope she did. Yeah. <laughs> I hope she did. I hope she did. Yeah. I, want, I, want, I want Mamadou to continue. I just wanted to, just a quick note for the listeners that uh, uh, this is not a political podcast. Okay, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Bray. Thank you, Bray. <laughs> Hold up. Thank you, Bray. All right. Yeah. Continue. Mamadou, make sure you say something funny. We're a comedy uh, podcast. Uh, oh, yeah. You, know, you got to say something. Uh, you know, it's funny <laughs> being black in America. Next joke. All right. No, uh, no. Nah, it's, it, it, I think that like what you say is absolutely right. And I think it's like this mix of like this sort of belief in a meritocracy that a capital system is going to work and that like there are good, bad binaries. I think that people, I think I personally, this is my personal politics. I think that everything is so fucking binary and nobody wants to be on the bad side of it. Everybody wants the good side of it, but it's not, that's not that simple. There's a gray area. There is a healing area where you need to be able to fix things. And I think that the scary part about that is that people's, and I, I've just been noticing this about white people for my entire life. All they want to do is perform being good for other people, like doing the right thing, being the doing the hiring the black person, because now our company has more diversity. So look at us. We out here doing it. And it makes black people and our play a prop in a lot of different things. And when it comes to like Hollywood, I say this to a lot of my friends who are like, I'm, I'm doing everything right. But why am I not getting this? Because you're trying to be do the right thing in a system that is not adhering to the rules that it's trying to put onto you. And that's just what it is to be black in America. We are always trying to walk through everything, be like, I did everything right. I'm trying to be as good as possible, but it doesn't matter because the color of our skin is all that matters to these other people. We are trying to, you know, not only do we make the money that we need to make, but we had to give it back to our community. And I think that I was talking to uh, somebody who's uh, an indigenous person and talking about how like there's this individualism that white people can have, that like we have this entitlement, but we also work for us and ours and we just keep moving forward and we can keep investing in different things. We have generational wealth, all this sort of stuff that like, when they can continue to like give forward, but like black people can have to give back in a certain way. We have to like, once we learn something, go teach other black people so they can learn and keep it, keep this sort of thing going. But every single time you do that, that shit gets broken up. And I think it's because people really do have this love for hierarchies and like they want to be on top and like there's always a power grab. But at the end of the day, the higher that you get, the less of us there are, because sometimes the, we get to a point where we got to step on each other. And then mm-hmm. rather than talk about like how like there's this myth of scarcity that there's not enough jobs, not enough roles, not enough people in Hollywood to do uh, that sort of job, not even hunting for the right like people. We're looking for a Haitian person. You got someone from St. Lucia. That's not what we're looking for. Like that sort of stuff is like it's because all of these myths that people continue to believe are, you know, they go through this Hollywood matrix and it's the biggest spread of, you know, Western culture, especially American culture to the rest of the world. And it's still catering to a white gaze. The fact that we got movies where Black cops getting clapped, uh, no, cops getting clapped by black people left and right is insane because this country has like, go, just go Google cop shows right now. You got 300 of them running at any single time because people really do believe that they are heroes. And it's not just because they're in their communities doing heroic things, but it's because you watch a TV show about a cop who's out here, like taking down an illegal drug ring, but who they always take it down, black people, Puerto Rican, sometimes some, some white people if it's meth, but otherwise it's always people who look like us. And that is a machine that needs to be interrupted. And I think that watching this movie, I was like surprised. I was like, damn, y'all talking about anti-capitalist stuff. They were clapping Ooh, boy, cops left and, right, left and right. And also, Mamadou, if, I, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that when, when I watch a movie like this and I see all these other black actors out here winning, I shouldn't feel like because James. they're winning, I can't win myself. Like, I should, I should actually feel like 
This Same. this should be a, a, a symbol of, of something that I can continue to aspire to. And and I can like go out on my own and 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 and, and go to my auditions and, and, and maybe even write my own stuff that I could be in. And it doesn't mean that, you know, there's only these 12 black actors that I'm looking at in this movie. There can be 13 or 14 or, or, or even more than that. Is that what you're saying? I would say 17 tops. But like, yeah, that's basically tops. what I'm trying okay, to say. Right. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, 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 you think 17? Yeah, I yeah. would go with either. I would say maybe 16. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I will say I did. I hate this. I didn't like that people were dying. But I did like that any time a black person picked up a gun to aim it at a police officer, bullets, and like not bullets, but guns were already trained on them. Like even when we go to the building and um, mm-hmm. Judy's there, they're all, there is no way they're making out of this. Like they're just, they're just not. Like the cops are literally harassing old people walking down the street. Calling them you know what I mean? Like, shit. you know what I'm saying? Like, the, 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 the it's it's already foregone. Yeah. Like when um you know, Algie's character. Uh, sorry, I want to actually give people name except for Evil Matt Damon because they respect Jake Winters. Yes, when, when he actually first off he murks people in that show. Like in that yeah. scene, he just he just yeah. Whew. So yeah. he was like, I, I'm 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 over this. They're gonna take me out anyway. So if I'm gonna go gonna go down and take a couple with them with me that's basically yeah. what yeah, yeah. They, they did. and i love the the dis- us seeing him decide to stop running i really liked that like like yeah. I did too. that's obviously that's that's just the writer being like let's let's make it a conscious decision and i i thought that that scene was great i really enjoyed that yeah 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 it was intense and i and this is the thing um one of the reasons we do this podcast, uh, and we ca- kind of knew when we started, but I feel like we've learned so much by doing it, is, and, and it's just proven to be more and more true, you know, what we watch as a culture truly defines what we think. Um, mm-hmm. And by watching so many movies and television shows, uh, like you guys were already saying, that show cops as good guys and cast black people as the bad guys um it's just in our psyche that that's what reality is that's what humans do humans we categorize things we put things in little boxes it's an evolutionary trait that's helped us survive and that's what it, it we craft a narrative with media it's not this like oh it's just a movie no it's way more than a movie when i when you see a movie like this where it flips it and instead of being on the side of the cop and 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 fearing for the cop's life and thinking about the bat uh, uh, like all these black people as the bad guys and these cops have to go into these dangerous places with these dangerous black people who could kill them and seeing the reverse and seeing the harassment that's happened the blatant harassment like the 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 fact that they're targeting these black people and then using little tiny things as excuses to go in there with a bunch of guns and mm-hmm. and knowingly wanting to shoot them down and seeing bl- black people just try to defend themselves it really changes your mind and i honestly hope that there are a bunch of people who saw this movie and were completely disturbed by it or angry and were like you're showing cops as bad. How can you show these? Why are you showing it like all cops are bad and this and that? I really hope people feel that and feel that anger because that is the uh, just a taste, a little fraction of a taste of what black people have been going through in this country 
for hundreds of years. It's yeah. just a taste. So you honestly feel that raw emotion inside of you. And then you start to maybe get a glimpse of what it feels like. Because I know people are going to watch this movie and go, this movie, is it, it's... It's way too bad. I, I'm, yeah. I can't wait for right-wing Twitter to freak out over this movie because yeah. that it's just what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's such a privilege to being able to watch a movie to learn about people's oppression rather than live, live it. And I think that if you get even like an inkling of what's going on here, I'm hoping that like pushes you in the right direction. But in my experience with white people, this might sound very, very, uh, very, very cynical. They'll be like, oh, have you guys seen Judas and the Black Messiah? It's such an important movie, but they won't change. There's an there's an internal change that needs to happen. There needs to be a radicalization. Like we're watching it, be like, yo, are we? Re-? Like I, I don't ask this question. Am I a revolutionary? I'm out here trying to write jokes, stuff like that. Am I? Like I had to ask myself that. But like white people would be like, I watched that movie. I'm revolutionary. It, 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 so depend, it depends on the person's personality. <laughs> well, I'm right. that, well, I watched right. that movie last night. While watching that movie, I was like, am I doing? enough yeah you know what i mean i literally thought about oh, like yeah. i was like is, is enough like and then i started going through every single thing i've ever done i was like man but that wasn't that wasn't it like it's, it's got to be more but then i also thought about are you willing to sacrifice like everything because i feel like when yeah. i think about you know our black leaders a lot of them end up even flee the country which mm-hmm. you know they wanted fred to do and it's like are you willing to like sacrifice everything you know and then probably be villainized for it you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I, I don't know, man. Like, even when, like Mamadou, like we're just saying, when this movie comes out, Fox News, Right Wing, American One News, all like the papers, right, bro, yeah. they're all going to say some wild stuff about this movie. Yeah, yeah. Deny it. You know, I remember like, remember that, remember the anger uh, that other president had just over a New York Times podcast? You know what I mean? Like the anger they had over a podcast that told history accurately. I'm like, I don't, but, but I'm not (laughs) sure. in all honesty, like what will change anything again? Like, I I think I'm getting to a point of this podcast. Like I think about people who've marched. I think about people who marched last summer, people who marched in the seventies. Again, this went down in 1969. Some things have changed. Sure. 1981, I believe, you know, is when the police like bombed Chicago. I mean, bombed uh, Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Hey, those those people were still alive. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like the people were, Rodney, are fine. Rodney, Rodney, uh, King, Rodney King was, was in 92, I, I 92, say 91, right? 92, yeah. 91, yeah. 92. Yeah. People still alive. I think about, I think about uh, what literally happened to Brianna. Those cops, not only still alive, but people saw them at Walmart. You know what Chill I mean? On. Like people see people seeing the cops who killed, except for the one white dude, the rest of the cops who was there for George Floyd. I think like, you no, know, people saw him, like a couple of those cops at Walmart and got him on camera. It's like, they doing their everyday thing, chilling. So mm-hmm. what changes now? I mean, things have changed, but like, is this the epitome of how it's going to be? Like, I mean, we, we've, I feel like we've done our parts, especially this election. Um, black women for sure have held down as always, but then it's like, we can t- constantly are paying the salaries for the people who threaten and oppress. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you all a question? Do you think that you are capable of one, doing more, and two, space to grow? Oh, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Space I mean, to grow. Sure space to grow. Yes. Capable of doing more? I don't know what my physiology is. Like, I just feel like my, <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like my general makeup as a as a human is. 
has has limits to it. And I've 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 said on this podcast before that like I can I am capable of a lot of anger for sure. But channeling that ang- anger into action is questionable. And I and and I say it out loud to, to y'all for hope that if I ever just sit on my ass while some shit is happening, y'all will be like, nigga, get the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. But like I would hope that I'm that I'm capable of more. Yeah. But isn't that the thing? Like once you get in that situation, like uh Dominique's character asks um Fred when he finds a book of like, you know, is is she a motherfucker or is she gonna be a bad mom? And you know, they have that conversation about you can sit here and dedicate your life to the movement, to the struggle, the, you know, the movement has your life, but then I'm carrying someone else. And then like, what happens when you're gone? And I think about that, like, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to like sacrifice yourself so much that like when you're gone, the people who loved you, the people who cared about you are now left without you, you know? And and that's a lot to ask a person, especially knowing that when you are gone, America has a tendency to vilify you for whatever you did. Like, remember that, that hashtag yeah. came out a couple of years ago, like when they, when they shoot me or something like that. And people started posting like their, if they gun me best, down. Yeah. If they gun me down, people start posting their best photo. Cause we know like the cops are going, was it the best photo? Yeah. Plus the one that the news is going to yeah. show of you, which is like most people yeah. when they're like five and they're like, man, man, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know, but all I will say uh, is I'm happy this movie is made. I don't plan on watching it ever again mm-hmm. in my life. Um, <laughs> I just don't... Yeah. Like, I've, like, I've only seen Get Out once. Uh, never yeah. seen it again. I don't need to see it again. This movie is great. I don't ever need to see it again, but um, I hope it wins all the awards, gets all the tea, all the roses. Um, something something yeah, you were I'm just good. talking about, Gerard, too, of like, of... Uh, it, you didn't specifically say being, being willing to put your life on the line, but you said something like that. Like, in the scene when everybody is sort of talking to Fred and like trying to organize a way for him to escape. And he just ends the conversation by being like, I, we have to build this medical center like that. It's that it's, it's that level that I, I, right. I know I'm not there, you know, like I'm not, I I know that I'm not in, in that place. And that would be obvious by everything I've ever done in my life. Right. But but like that to to have had that. And, and granted, you know, everyone is sort of talking about it like, you know, every, everyone in that room, it sort of feels like, no, your back's against the wall. They're going to kill you. He yeah. keeps talking about it from like a standpoint of like the the sentence the the jail sentence of like I'm only going to be in jail for a couple of years yeah. you yeah. know he keeps he keeps outwardly talking about that and like yeah, the movie doesn't go too far into like whether or not he was he was actually he had any fear of death or like whether or not he actually thought that that the next step was death even though you know, they clearly killed. Um, I mean, he even he said. I feel like he says like. I feel like he he did feel well. I I don't know, but it, it seemed like from the movie that he felt like he was gonna he was gonna die. I mean, there's something definitely to be talked about too. Of like, I always look at it like this because, you know, when we watched the movie, Tessa was like, "Man, it's so sad. We lost so many 
we lost so many leaders, like what could have been right. And it, and there is a little bit of a sense you can feel a sense of like, man, did we, I mean, I, we talk about this a lot of like so little feeling like so little has changed. Um, so there is this sense of like, Oh, like they won, like the government won, you know, they won these rounds or whatever. But I, I, I guess I do have a bit of that, like <laughs> Obama sense of like optimism of like, I do think it all, you know, it all stacks on top of each other. And like, we couldn't be at this point today if it wasn't for the incredible work and ultimately sacrifices, whether they wanted to make the sacrifice or not, you know, it, of these people's lives. Like the fact that they at least had, they weren't scared out of continuing to do the work that they did, you know? And, and if that, in that sense, they're martyrs. They don't, they didn't want to die. Like, I don't think any of these people wanted to die. I don't think Fred Hampson wanted to die. MLK didn't want to die. Malcolm X didn't want to die. They felt like they were going to because they knew their lives were under such threat, but they didn't want to be scared. They didn't want the fear of death to stop them from doing the important work. Sadly, yeah. we got the momentum was like stopped. And a lot of like little things, which Ugh. we could argue about, like won't do the homes podcast of like, you know, there was more like smaller cultural things that were happening, but like the actual deeper political, you know, structures weren't really being taken down whatsoever. Um, but still progress at any point, it's, you know, whatever, whether it should have happened 50 years ago, hundred years ago oh, yeah. or now, I still want it to happen. You uh, know what I mean? Man. And in that sense, like, to me, there's still optimism because I'm like, I, what I think about is like, man, these people were fighting for stuff. Then mm -hmm. we should also fight, continue to fight for it now. And, you know, the fact that their stories were able to break through means there is like hope. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I hear you. And I think that like the fact that their stories broke through and they're only being given the spotlight in movies like this in 2021 is part of the problem because this country has right. a problem with an ahistorical view of the way that everything went. And I think that this is just personal anecdote from last year. Protesting, we're on the new, we're on the, uh, we're on the bridge. And we had the cops on both sides. And there was this palpable moment where it's like, yo, these cops about to run up on us. Like, we were, like, terrified. I was like, well, you know, yeah, and everything like that. And it was, you know, I, that, I'm no stranger to that sort of, like, cops everywhere. We got to find out what's going on. But it was a reminder that I think that some of the people who, like, I think we just don't learn history yeah. in a way that's not romanticized sometimes. And right, when it comes true. to MLK, like my man went across the bridge of summer and everyone's like, yeah, he did the bridge thing. I'm like, yeah, but then they were there to like beat the shit out of people. And I think that once people got to the other side of that bridge and saw this phalanx of cops, they were like, well, what are we going to do? And I was like, did you not see the rest of the movie? Like, did you not see like the rest of the story? And then you realize some of y'all didn't because the way that y'all get taught these stories are very much like, all right, so Martin Luther King marched and then he did everything right. And then he was killed. Who did they kill them? All right, let's move on to someone else. Someone else. It's always like we don't learn the full story. And I think that these stories like Fred Hampton's, like Angela Davis's, the fact that Angela Davis is alive right now out here and, you know, on the on the West Coast, it's like these stories need to be told and they need to be told in a way that are going to, you know, deconstruct this capitalist mindset. Because uh, right now it feels like sometimes, and this is my personal perspective on it, that like the, the revolution has become com commodified. 
Like people will find a way to hashtag it, to brand it, to turn it to t-shirts, to, oh, to resell oh, it. Yeah. And, and it's so frustrating. And that's a beautiful. And that was when he said, yeah. when he said to my, my to Shorty, like uh, to, to the dude, he goes like, yo, is this a revolution or is this about me? That was like the biggest question that I think uh, I, I definitely that. I grappled with last year and, you know, talking about like dying for some shit. I don't want to die. <laughs> like we all talk about this. None of us want to die, but I had a long conversation with my man, Jordan. And, uh, and we were just like, you know what? I think that to live life to the fullest and then to always be trying to fight for the right thing where it's like, yo, if we die, we die. And that's unfortunately the way, cause we were just in the thick of it. And like, we were running from cops. Cops were out here like driving through barricades and stuff like that. And I was like, wow, like we are lucky every day to go back home. Cause there are people like we're seeing in this movie that were sitting in a building, just getting shot at by cops and stuff like that. We are like where we are is not great. It is absolutely not great. But I think that I was definitely protected. And this is something I thought on the bridge too, by we're protected by knowing our history, knowing that this is not the first time that cops have been on the other side of the bridge. This isn't the first time that they've been kettling people. Like knowing your history and knowing what's going on, being raised by an Africana studies uh, professor, not just learning Af African-American studies, but also global African studies, knowing that these are strategies. This is a military operation. They are coming after us. The conversation about war and politics, like war is politics with the bloodshed, politics is war without it. Like those conversations are things that I grew up with and sitting there and realizing, damn, there's a lot of people who really grew up with a very romanticized or not even an education about it, but if it was an education, it was romanticized and glossed over. You need to know the uglier parts like this in order to keep the revolution, keep these stories going on. And it just requires people to, you know, it may, may, maybe not give up your life, but I think that's the hard part here. Giving up what scarce resources that we as Black people have right now to serve a greater Black narrative and to push us all forward and to, to realize you are in history every day of your life when you're having that conversation yeah. with some, you know, company about representation of Black people. Like you are, that is part of the fight. It's maybe, maybe it's not everything. I think it's important that every piece of this goes in the right direction but i think that you know watching this movie i was like damn my man really made me ask some questions about myself and then to like remember and this is something i learned and forgot and then relearned again that he was 21 and he was just so full-bodied so view of history as, and yeah. what, uh, as a 21 year old your yeah. neighbor is a leader of his person. I'm, his yeah, accent. Yeah. Oh, he was killing his accent. <laughs> I like his accent. That's fine. His yeah. accent. Uh, Prince Henry from the Black Panther Party. And like I was like, oh, yeah. Nikki, Nikki it gave was him so many good. iconic shots, <laughs> like so many iconic like visuals. It's like mm. you know, of course, the one that's in the trailer through the peephole when he comes mm. in, and he turns around like Fred Hampton jump. Also, when he's going in, we follow him from the back. But then also when he gets out of when he gets out of prison and he goes up to give one of his um speeches and we follow him up through the church i was like yo mm -hmm. great um after mama do after what you said i don't have too much to say i uh, i'm actually i'm just happy that this movie got made i'm ha I, I am happy that we learned about the black panthers um about what they did about like the black panthers weren't out here just trying to shoot cops for no reason it usually was in self-defense um mm -hmm. a lot of that message was making sure black kids were educated that they were fed that they did have hospitals to go to um mm -hmm. i'm really happy that this movie painted the u.s government for what it was um to black people um and and i know macro you know this is one of the you know one of their mm -hmm. earlier films i'm happy macro mm -hmm. exists because thank mm -hmm. god for you people um <laughs> Uh, so yeah, man, like, like, I don't have much. I'm just happy to jump. I'm just, yeah, uh, I'm just happy we get to watch it. That's all. Um, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. all. I, I will say, uh, 
just like some closing thought like i thought uh when the rainbow coalition scene happened i literally said out loud uh this is exactly why he was killed <laughs> like, yeah. like, like yeah. like when he when he gave that speech at the young patriots meeting like at the yeah. end of that speech i was like and this is why he was killed like <laughs> you know what i mean I, like <laughs> the uh i mentioned chicago seven um earlier and i and uh when cat when I watched it with Kat and when the way that Chicago seven uh, shows uh, Fred Hampton, you know, he's, he's just in, obviously he's just in the courtroom. Um, but they like, you know, they have him do it. He has an outburst in the courtroom and then like that night or something in the, in the, in the timeline of the movie, he gets killed. And Kat was like, yeah, and that's why they killed him. And it was like, no, he was doing, <laughs> He was doing so much other stuff. And like the movie, yeah. it, it's like such a weird, obviously, you know, we know that Sorkin, you know, is doing whatever he can to try to tell whatever kind of story he wants. But it's like they just mm. sort of manipulated in this way to be like, and then when he yelled, when he yelled in the courtroom, they killed him. It was like, what? Like, what kind of just tell the story as it, you know, or don't even I don't know. It, it was a weird thing. Remember, remember what they look like. Yeah, no, we. Yeah, just remember, remember. Yeah, Sorkin, Sorkin. He don't go to cookouts, yeah. is my point. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. He go to barbecues. There's a book. And... You know what I'm saying? Oh, I feel like someone definitely... <laughs> no, 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 Somebody invited him to the no, cookout for that movie, though. No, they like, you know what? You black for the day. Because someone always... <laughs> someone always... Uh, it might not be you us. It might not be movie. us. But some cornball cool no, on Twitter was no, like, no, no, no. like Aaron Sorkin the cookout. Some, he some, made, yeah, some person was like, like hey, you want to come to a barbecue? That ain't a cookout, okay? He didn't get invited to no goddamn barbecue. I mean, no cookout, bro. He's like, you want to come to my barbecue? You want to come hang out in the backyard? Ain't no cookout. There ain't no cookout. I'm not saying... He wasn't playing spades. Yeah, that's it. They didn't give they him had, Uno cards. Okay, he didn't get to sit at the good table. We talk about random woke shit <laughs> and sports and how the man tried to keep us yeah. down. If anything, he was hovered around the beers because he ain't had nobody else to talk to. But he didn't make it to the cookout. You know what I'm saying? He was hovered around the beers. Nah, he was going to walk and talk throughout the entire barbecue and walk right back out. <laughs> like, but like, but but that's the thing. It's like, there's a book and I really hope y'all read it. And this is, uh, this is the reading rainbow moments. My audition for the next LeVar Burton. But y'all should, uh, y'all should read Horrible White People. It's a book about oh, TV representation of horrible white people. You should read the book. No, because it's not oh, about great. how like, white people are horrible. It is about how um, the the lens of the media has allowed all these spaces for like white people to be te represented terribly, but kind of rewarded for it on TV. And it goes from like yeah. Broad City, Louie, uh, Difficult People, and it goes through all these different shows where it's like it shows like the, the plight of like the white person in this sort of world right now. And I think that like anyone's allowed to tell the story. I really do firmly believe everyone should be able to tell their story. However, that is not the view of Hollywood because they're only telling the same story over and over with different people. But in it, it just talks about like how you know, we've always known this, how black people in general are tertiary and secondary characters to serving a white person's, you know, main narrative. Right. And I think yes. that like, I look at life through a very dramaturgical lens. Like I'm really like, yo, life is about performance. And a lot of people are performing diversity, performing wokeness, inclusivity. It feels very fake and performative. I think part of that social media where we're like encouraged to do that a little bit. But in watching this, it's like, yeah, movies like this 
push the, uh, hopefully pushing the needle back in another direction where we can tell the story from our own perspective. Because if some white director got this movie and got to make it, then J. Edgar Hoover might have been portrayed as somebody who had some sort of nuance to his take. And that's just not the case here. Like COINTELPRO was a, was a program to go after anyone who had any sort of ties to anything black and radical and any sort of political shit. And then you see another movie which came out in 2019, I don't know if y'all saw this, but Seaberg with mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. Kristen Stewart, where it was COINTELPRO, but she's an actress, and it was COINTELPRO, but it was chasing Kristen Stewart. Anthony Mackie's in it and everything, but it's like, while that story is probably a necessary story to be told, I'm like, I don't care about Joe Steenberg. I care about Dr. King. <laughs> like, I care about Malcolm X. I care yeah. about Fred Hampton. I mean, they, 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 they did chase her down, too. They chased her down, too. But yeah. also, I think the real thing, Mama Duva, I'm trying to summarize some people at home, if you take away from anything, even though we're not a political podcast, please never forget, J. Edgar Hoover was a trash human oh, being. 100%. 100%. So, when you think about the legacy of J. Edgar Hoover, think now, hold on. Of, is it a political statement to say that J. Edgar Hoover is trash? Is that are you saying? No, it's no, like, I'm talking so, about facts. No. This is fact. Mm-hmm. Is the sky blue? Yeah. Is the sky blue? Yeah, yeah no. It's yeah. Okay. But let me let me get let me give people an example at home. Give me give people an example at home. Like when you when you think about New York, you know New York, New York has that landfill island, which is like where all the trash is buried. Imagine that island on fire, right? That is that is representation of Jagger Hoover. Like it's on yeah. fire, it's in the middle of the water, and it's just trash and shit from all around New York City and rats. That's who that man is. Braylock, bring us Whoa. home, baby. Braylock, bring it home. I just want to acknowledge <laughs> that this movie is too black James, and too this. important for me to do a bit right now. So I'm not going to do it. Thank you, too James. Too black, too important. All right, Braylock, bring too us black home. Too black and you too important for me to do any Braylock. kind of bit at this point in the show. Yeah. So I'm not going to do You're it. You're right. Okay, like, I'm Braylock, not doing a bit. Absolutely right. Braylock, bring us home. People are not doing a bit to do it. Braylock, bring us home. Why do Braylock, bring us home. What was the laugh for? Let's end it. Braylock, ignore him. End them. End it. Let's end oh, it. Keep he said we end it. There we go. All right. It's time for the cause. We rate and review films not based on how much we like them, but whether or not they help the cause of more leading black my actors sister. in Hollywood. Okay, let me finish my explanation. Uh, <laughs> if we think this film fully helped the cause of leading black actors, we give it a, a, a black fist. If we think it somewhat help the cause we give it a white palm and if we think it didn't nah okay if we think it didn't help the cause we don't give it anything <laughs> the kind of thing we're gonna do one two three Oh I had a trillion black fists because this movie, <laughs> this movie made me, made me close my laptop and put my head in my hands and really think about my life. It was a good ass movie. I know, man. Trillion no, man. I, I mean, t- I it really did though. To your point before or your question, Mamadou, I'm like, I I really really was like, I I got to do I got to do more than this. I, yeah. I mean, I. You know, not that we haven't done anything, but it does. It's just like I'm like, man, we we more. really just because the other more. thing about it was like the thing that I did love is like it showed how much hope Fred Hampton was able to give to people, you know, and not just him. A, a lot of them, Bobby Seale and, you know, all, all Huey, like they, they all were like this community of activists were really able to. Um, not only give back to their community, but give people a sense that they 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 could overcome this like enormous yeah. oppression. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's really easy for people to just be numb and just feel like we just got to take this L. Like we there's nothing we can do about it. And they were like, mm-hmm. no, we can 
the revolution is here. They can kill a revolutionary, you know, yeah. a revolutionary, but they yeah. can't kill the revolution. You can kill a revolutionary, but kill a revolution. 100%. You can kill a revolutionary, but kill a revolution. You know, it's such a great, it's such a, it, yeah. Um, oh, I we didn't talk about this at all. I just wanted to make one last comment, which was, it was, <laughs> this had like a Judas um, commentary. And then at the end of this, we do find out that, you know, like he, like the real person, the Bill killed, well, killed Emily, himself yeah. after the documentary had come out, um, you know, and Tessa didn't know this just so for people who don't know, who, you know, don't know the story of Judas and Jesus. Judas was one of the 12 original 12 disciples who followed Jesus and eventually, um, he wound up betraying him by like, you know, kind of selling him out for 30 pieces of silver. And so there was like a moment in the movie where, you know, Jesse's like, great job. And he like gives him the money. You know what I mean? And it was very much like, here's the, here's take your 30 pieces of silver for selling out. Yeah. Here's your <laughs> you know? gas yeah. station. And your key keys. <laughs> here's your, and a gas station. Like, gas, no station. gas station. Yeah. Here's $200 and a gas station. Yo, you clapped a revolutionary for a fucking shell, for a fucking BP. Like, come on, bro. Like, for a it, little, it, for a franchise. Uh, yeah, that was, it, yeah, that was a, a powerful part of the movie. I think that's the most important piece of the puzzle that I wish they kind of t- teased out a little bit more. It's just that, like, this man had to live with the grief of killing Fred Hampton for a while. Like, he didn't just go back to being, like, yeah. a, a Black Panther. Right. Like, he, like, he had to live with that. And then the fact of the matter is, like, right after the interview that they put in the movie is when he killed himself. And, and he, pull, he pulled up and he was just like, I did what I had to do. And then he killed himself. So yeah. it was like... Same day. It, it's 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 so wild. And again, it's like, like you said, this always feels like, because it's in black and white in a lot of uh, pictures that it's so long ago. But this was, like, you know, within our, our he parents. He killed himself in 1990. Yeah. This went down 1969. 100%. This is not, this is, none of this stuff is old, yeah. yo. Yeah. Like, none of this stuff is old. They stay, anyway, I, y'all about to I'll, have me, I'll y'all about to say this, though. This movie was, this movie's great. This movie is perfect. I, I did have one problem with it. They made me watch Jermaine Fowler get shot directly through the chest. They made yeah. me look at that. Yeah, <laughs> bro. Yeah, bro. I, <laughs> I was not ready. Damn. I didn't. Yeah. I wasn't ready for it. It was too much for me. I couldn't. Be, uh, yeah. I, I guarantee you. I guarantee you in that scene, they because it was 99 shots fired by the police and one shot fired back. And I guarantee you that they had 99 shots in that that sound design. 100%. Because yeah. yeah. they, mm-hmm. they were trying. And, and again, they made it very. And again, those people, like they, they said, in the little title card. place up. Oh boy, they came in and they and again, like you said, it's like looks like this one's still breathing, and then killed him right there. And Ooh, to focus on the war to, zone, <laughs> yeah, to focus on that black woman's face when she mm. had to like like to hold that shot specifically. Oh, God, mm-hmm. like knowing the conversations they've had, and like this is the story of so many you know young revolutionaries. Like that. that's her partner, and she yeah. now knows that her child will be fatherless mm-hmm. because yeah. The, yeah. the FBI just murdered him. Yeah, just man. straight <laughs> up murdered him. I know the story of that night, like 
in and out. So once right, I saw right, Jermaine come in, I was like, damn, they go kill Jermaine. I, that was the yeah. first thing I said. So I did I didn't know. I didn't know that what I didn't know what, what I knew what was going to happen, but I didn't know like there are only two deaths. Who else died? <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. And I and and IMDB doesn't say who uh Rail or Jermaine are. And so I was like, oh they're pro- but they're probably gonna be uh, like, like really fun or important cameo. So, like, when he showed up, I was like, "What's about to happen?" <laughs> he's the w- only other person to die, and he yeah. and he's shot immediately. Yeah. It's so oh, whoo! It was wild. It was wild. Again, it was a very beautiful movie, and it, uh, like Gerard was saying, everyone's saying here, it is a nice chapter to add to the pantheon of like black movies to like continue to talk about right. this radical shit because it did talk about anti-capital talk about international proletariat talked yeah. about raising yeah. these kids right talks about how bad the police are and it did it did all these things so masterfully that hopefully it opens up doors for more sort of radical films uh in the future and, like it, this. Ra- and it hope and it radicalized a couple of y'all yeah hopefully but uh, Mamadou, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, um, thank you, bro. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you want to uh, shout out uh, or can people follow you on social media? Uh, your boy is taking a social media hiatus currently, uh, but I'm I do have a new... healthy. Uh, I mean, I've been I've been off social media since July, and I can fly. I don't, I don't know about yeah. y'all, but like, yeah. what, 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 what holds us Honestly, what holds us back? Definitely... Is those retweets? <laughs> you're definitely doing so much better mentally than I. Am. Oh, fam! Listen, I, the moment that I started seeing people go through the same sort of thoughts about like we're gonna win this in a landslide, I'm, I'm like, y'all didn't learn a goddamn thing. I'm about to go over here and take care of this this plant right here. I'm gonna take care of it yes. and relax. And yeah. And Honestly, like I've, I've opened up spaces for like my friends to have like bigger. If, if y'all, anyone wants to, you hit me up, uh, come through. Uh, we just have like conversations that are f- free from the fear of making a mistake, but allowing people to have the space to be heard, not just to talk. And I think that uh, that has been very helpful for my mental health. And uh, I do have a newsletter where I kind of, if something big happens or I have a lot of thoughts that uh, I'd rather not make into like bite-sized tweets, but a full meal of a thought that I've uh, put together. Uh, it's called Lucy. And I think it's uh, lucys.substack.com. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Um, and you can follow us at Black Man Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Blackmanpodcast.com is our website. We've got links to our merch. Uh, we've got a link to a defunct Patreon that has a year's worth of episodes, though. So if you haven't checked those out and you want to, check it out. Sign up for that Patreon. Uh, also, we uh, if you leave us a five-star review on iTunes, we'll read it on the air. This is Sun Tuzulu. I think. Sorry. Uh, Ma Rainey, one of my favorite episodes. All these topics are life or death and glad the volume is being turned up on these topics. Really curious to get familiar with more black playwrights, especially Mr. Wilson. I mean, yep, that's uh, number one Absolutely. on the list. Um, thank you for leaving that review. Uh, you can follow me at John Braylock. And you can follow me at James Third Comedy, Third Three RD. Jaraz Draw Milligan. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week. I think we're going to do Malcolm and Marie next week love you guys see ya peace bye forever this has been a forever dog production produced by melissa d fonts executive produced by brett boehm joe cilio and alex ramsey to listen to this podcast ad free sign up for forever dog plus at forever dog podcast.com slash plus 
Check out video clips of our podcast on YouTube at youtube.com slash foreverdogteam. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at foreverdogteam to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news. Forever!